Every story starts a bit differently. And this one is one of those stories. A man stands staring into a mirror, looking at himself with fear and shock in his eyes. Tears start to stream down his face. No, no, no. He then looks at his hands that are covered in blood. So many thoughts were running through his head. So many thoughts he would have to sort out. But is any of it true? All these questions need answering. Will he even find the answers to his questions? A real man faces his problems head on. But all he wanted to do was run. He grabs the gun in his hip and places it on the sink he is staring at. His other hand leaves a bloody handprint. The bathroom he stands in is in an abandoned home, and you can see all the dirt and grime that has accumulated over the years. It's truly a nasty sight to see. He began putting his hands on the side of his head, like he has a headache. He tries to move his hands in circles on the side of his skull to ease the tension, but nothing happens, so he sits with his back against the wall. He hears the door being pounded on, so he grabs his gun and looks at it for a moment. As the doors kicked open. One month earlier. Some people ask me what I do for a living. I just tell them I understand people. It's always that same answer. So like a therapist? I respond with no and have to explain thoroughly what the hell I do. Then I see the light bulbs click. The day was typical. A rainy, dark, gloomy oblivion of rage and hate in a twisted world. I only wish was vastly different. The fresh scent of blood fills the air. It happened again. It was almost identical to the first killing, but something felt different about this one. The killer is trying to say something, but with the carnage of the mess he had left behind, one could say it's like finding a needle in a haystack. But even that is easier than dissecting a human mind for basic clues. The body lay stretched out on the wall resembling who we consider our savior. But this man died for his sins, not ours. There's no clear motive to be found in what this killer would call his piece of art. He is an interesting one, this killer. The way he had taken her life was almost like it could have been a song in dance to him. There are no bruises found. He carefully handled her. Why? Maybe he's trying to respect this kill, like it is one small fragment of a bigger piece of art. This is a very well-calculated man. He holds himself to a certain standard. This man does this to satisfy himself. So I don't think there is a clear motive, unless a bigger one is at play, but I don't think there's anything religious he's drawing from. Looking at the corpse, looks like he's mocking that iconic symbol and not paying homage to it. The last body was hung by her hands and split down the middle. These girls were once no older than my daughters, and some even her friends. Fear had struck in the small town in which I live, and everyone is very cautious with who they are around. A man places a hand on his shoulder, and it's the lead detective of the case. He smiles at him and walks past him to look at the scene. Sam Gallagher can be what you call a hard-ass sometimes. He's dressed in his usual detective jacket 
with his badge hanging from his neck and his sunglasses sitting on his forehead as he examines the body. I stand observing everything, playing it back and forth through my head, trying to put together the piece to this weird misrepresentation of a puzzle. This man is struggling with some sort of life-changing event, something that has redefined who he is and made him into this being of absolute destruction. I close my eyes and put my hand on my forehead. I had a headache like most days, but this one was worse. Amid my headache, I started to get flashes of something. I see blood on my hands. I'm standing over a corpse and admiring it. I think there's no possible way I can kill a man, but the images I see in my head are so clear, so familiar. It can't be fake. I can't just be imagining what it would be like to be the one who did this tour. I walk to my car slowly as my breathing becomes uncontrollable, and I collapse, seeing the world around me blur. I fall, hitting the ground hard. The next thing I remember is waking up in a hospital bed, oblivious to the world around me. I sit up slowly, and my head is pounding like a drum. The lights look so bright, almost blinding. A person sits at the edge, looking at me strangely. He smiles and introduces himself. Hi there. You may not recognize me, but I'm an old friend of yours. Darren. I look at him confused, and I tilt my head. Hmm. Words that I thought. You don't remember me. All the fun times we had. Well, you knew who I was yesterday. Anyways, bud, I gotta go. I'll see you at your place when you get out. Yeah. All right, I guess. He looks back at him as he throws on his jacket. After he leaves, two figures burst through the door. I hear a familiar voice as the figure steps closer. I realize it's Lori, and I hug her. There's a man in the doorway with his coat thrown over his arm. He steps in, and in a low, calm voice says, We were all worried about you. Glad to see you're doing all right. Thanks, Chief. Also... I'm humbled you came. I'll be all right. I know it. The doctor comes back with the test results. He says with a stern look in his face. We found nothing. From what we could figure out, it was a stress-related panic attack that caused you to pass out. So I'm good to go? That's what you're saying, right? Right now, take it easy for the rest of the day. And try to take out as much stress out of your life as possible. He leaves the room, and I stand. My legs feel like jelly. After arriving home, it felt strange. Lori won't be home again for a while. Her job always has weird hours. I mean, she is an artist. I throw my jacket on the table, and I hear a voice. I look around, and there's no one to be found. Then I feel a set of hands on my shoulder. I turn around, and Darren is right in front of me, staring at me with a smile on his face. Let's take a drive. Darren points out the roads and the streets to an abandoned house. Darren walks in the house first, and he's no place to be found. He looks around, confused. Did I lose you already? Come on, it's not too far from here. I look around at the rooms that look like they're barely held together by nails and boards. I take a deep breath and wave the cobwebs out of the way. 
I check all the rooms downstairs. He was in none of them. Every room in the house is a weird faded green, and the paint is peeling. I look at the staircase. It looks as if it would break right then and there. Each step I took felt like death on those stairs. I say, so why am I here? What's so important? I reach the top and walk into the big room. Then everything turns black. My eyes begin to open. All I can remember is being struck. I barely stand, stumbling my way to the bathroom. I look at my head after seeing blood on my hands. I stare at myself, seeing nothing. No mark at all. I touch my forehead. And it doesn't even hurt. In the mirror, I can see Darren standing behind me. Then I see flashes of him standing over a woman, slowly slicing her throat, then watching her struggle on the ground as blood spills on the floor. She tries to grasp for life. Doesn't she remind you of a person in life, Thomas? The hair and the facial stripes, And she is this. But not all here. He opens his eyes, and Darren is still standing behind Thomas as he looks at the mirror. Then he is gone. He looks in the hallway, then back at the mirror, and he's standing there, staring at Darren. Thomas sets his gun on the sink, and his hands leave a bloody handprint. Put it together, detective boy, it's obvious. I look at him, and shake my head. No, 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 that can't be true! Darren pulls out a phone, and Thomas looks down, and in his hand, is that same phone I look at the calls made. And one is the digits 911. You know who I am, Thomas. You know what you did. You know the art you have been leaving yourself to chase. No, I'm not like that. I would never. Look at your hands. Whose blood is that? I know it isn't yours. I know why you do this. I know I exist. I am the answer to your miserable fucking excuse of a life. I exist to sugarcoat the pain mommy had gifted you. The bruises, the mental torture. Remember? Don't you? Who is the woman you killed, huh? Maybe someone close to you or someone you wake up to every day. He grabs the gun and points it at the mirror. Don't you say that to me! Don't you say that, you fucker! You know it's true to think about it. She hasn't called, and she never will, because she's somewhere for your friends in blue to find in about 30 seconds or so. They bust open the front door, shouting. I lock the door. I stare at the mirror, and all I see is my face over his. Time for this whole mommy issue situation to finally end. Time for me to rest. There is pounding at the front door. Thomas begins to freak out, not knowing what the hell he was going to do next. He grabs his gun, and he cocks it. He sticks it in his mouth, and when the door bursts open, he blasts his brains all over the bathroom, leaving himself in a puddle of blood. Detective Gallagher walks in with Chief Bolton. They both look at the body in shock, seeing my badge, laid on the ground. No, this has to be a setup. He wasn't like that. A tear rolls down his cheek. He taps the chest of Thomas's corpse. 
with his silicone gloves on. Well, we all come from different places, and we all have something to run from. The question is how long can you run from the past, and are you strong enough to outrun it? The answer is no. Someday every person on the planet has to face their sins from the past, or even the past in general. <laughs> 